the cow, but we are both diehard Packers fans. I could talk about this for hours. He was my legend. He was my quarterback one. Taysom Hill, forever in my heart. We have a kind of a reputation of being the young, the young diehard fans. How was that, Dr. Pepper Taysom? Amazing. Okay, good. Let's keep it under 25 minutes, all right? What is happening, folks? Welcome back to another episode of the Underage Packers Podcast. This is episode 88, and we wanted to go live here on this lovely Saturday as tomorrow the Green Bay Packers return to Lambeau Field for week 10 of the NFL season to take on the NFC Seattle Seahawks. Big B, how you feeling today? Pretty good. Very excited for Sunday. It's going to be another great game, of course, because I feel like every game against Seahawks, somehow it ends up being a game to remember, I sh- shall I say. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, after that, like from 2010 to 2015, since the Packers and the Seahawks were always first in their division, uh, they always ended up playing each other. And there are plenty of matches there. And then even recently, we had the divisional playoff match that you were in town for. Uh, And then a lot of the opener a few years ago. So there has been quite a few exciting matches against the Seattle Seahawks. The Seahawks haven't been able to keep their reign, keep uh, the, the strong teams they had back in the early 2010s when Russell Wilson was uh, a, a new shiny toy for Pete Carroll, and they had the Legion of Boom defense. But now uh, they are 3-5 and five on this season. They've been dealing with some injuries uh, to their quarterback, Russell Wilson, and he is returning this week to play with his thumb injury. We all saw it um, happen live against the Rams uh, on Monday night, a few weeks yonder, and uh, it was pretty ugly, pretty disgusting. <laughs> I don't want to see that happen again. That wasn't. It wasn't that bad. Come on. I mean, yeah. I guess compared to some injuries we've seen uh, on the field, yeah, yeah, it wasn't that bad. Like, especially uh, like in basketball, I remember uh, quite a while back, some dudes like kneecap literally was <laughs> out. So yeah, it, it, it's, it wasn't that bad. And then yeah. like also during a preseason game, some Cowboys wide receiver had his ankle literally twist so i i guess russell wilson's finger injury isn't it doesn't even crack the top 10 on ugly injuries to watch but we we got more to talk about than just the seattle seahawks and i wanted to start it off with a hilarious tweet that i put out on the underage packers podcast twitter make sure you're following us by the way uh but yesterday uh, and we'll, we'll get to talk about OBJ as well. Oh, wonderful. Yay. That's all this, I want to talk about. In this Odell Beckham Jr. drama, Jordan Schultz for ESPN. I've never heard of him before. I don't watch ESPN, though. But Jordan exactly. Schultz, he is the main guy on this, and he has sources telling him something every 30 seconds. Sources. Her sources. God, this was so hilarious yesterday, or um, this kind of Thursday and Friday period where OBJ was still making up his mind. Adam Schefter was saying that he signed with the Rams. Uh, Kim Jones of NFL Network was saying, oh, he he's still on the fence between um, uh, the Packers and the Rams. And Adam Schefter was just like doubling down. Like, 
I like he was little like Kim Jones was still saying he still hasn't made up his mind. And then Adam Schefter, like five seconds later, was like tweeting out the new wide receiver court for the Rams. He's like, he's dying with the Rams. Gosh, darn it. Uh, Schefter ended up being right, obviously. But basically, uh, Jordan Schultz, ESPN guy, he's been out all these sources. And he said yesterday that Mark Murphy was the main reason that OBJ didn't end up coming to the Green Bay Packers because he was being too uh he, murphy was being too conservative with the money that the packers have very little of in terms of contract negotiations um which doesn't really make sense because while mark murphy might be involved some part in football operations and actual contract negotiations the main person that would be doing that involved in that would be brian gutekins and russ ball and Later, Schultz rephrased that and said just the front office and not Mark Murphy after deleting the Mark Murphy tweet. But obviously him saying that Mark Murphy was pretty much the GM of the Packers spawned some great moments on Packers Twitter. Uh, people blaming Mark Murphy for everything. So you know what, Seth Underage Packers podcast. We love our super niche references. We don't like to talk about Tom Fanning. We like to talk about beat reporters here on the Underage Packers podcast. So, you know, I put out there under on the Underage Packers Twitter uh, that Evan Siegel, who is a Packers team photographer, I met him, real nice guy. I put out, so I said, Mark, Evan Siegel, Mark Murphy's top advisor, really wanted the team to go out there and sign Odell Beckham, but Murphy would just not budge. And obviously, a lot of people see that and like, oh, Evan Siegel, he must be some guy important. I need to have an opinion on this. You know, <laughs> I need to sound smart here. And, yep. you know, I think I might have made it like maybe a little too hard. But what it also should have gave it away that this was a joke, a parody, was the fact that I said, first year GM, Mark Murphy. Like, if you can't tell, like, sure, if you don't know who Evan Siegel is, sure. You know, I, I won't consider you a casual if you don't know who that is. But if you think, if you see Mark Murphy, first-year GM, and you just glance over, you're like, yep. <laughs> then then you kind of have a problem. So mm -hmm. I, I just wanted to showcase some of the greatest replies to people who weren't quite aware here. So there's that original tweet. Um, we got... I, I probably should have just taken screenshots and not shown these people's actual usernames. Let me um, find a way. I wish I could. There we go. All right. And you see, we have, he has always treated Packers money like it's own, It's his own. I mean, he is the president to a certain extent. It is his own. Uh, this one is perfect right here. So many people missing the joke. Whoosh. Yeah, this whole thread is uh, perfect for the r slash whoosh thread on Reddit. Uh, I can picture that Kevin Spice says he's like, ah, oh, that darn old Murphy always ignoring his advice. Um, let's see here. Uh, I don't believe you time for an owner's meeting. Uh, <laughs> nobody cares. Odell ain't been worth the hype since his first three seasons. Uh, and that surprise too. Oh, Mark Murphy, you know him not listening to Evan Siegel ever. Uh, worst first year GM never, ever. Um, <laughs> oh my. Let's see here. Um, man, not gonna lie, I really hate Mark. 
Um, and then, oh, this dude, I always love him because he, he has a lot of troll takes here. I, I don't know if he's serious or not, but he says, good for once, Murphy's ignorance pays off. Who needs a diva? Thank God Mark Murphy didn't listen to his advisor this time. Oh, man. So I definitely recommend checking out that thread because so much gold over there on Packers Twitter right now. Uh, anyways, now uh, we'll, we'll get into a little bit about the Seahawks. Unless, I mean, what, what are your thoughts on this whole OBJ situation outside of our general manager, Brian, uh, Mark Murphy? Um, well, I'm glad it was over. Um, it it was very interesting couple of days on Twitter felt like everybody with a check mark had some type of source to throw out there felt like this off season with Aaron Rodgers and every, literally everybody with a blue check mark had something to say from their sources. Um, I'm just, I'm actually kind of glad he's not a Packer. Yes, I wanted him, of course. Great football player. Take the offense to a whole nother stratosphere that we've been waiting for, but I'm glad he's not on the team. Yeah, I definitely get that. Um, I mean, I don't know how much, I'm not going to say, oh, he's some locker room cancer because I, you know, I don't, I don't know firsthand. And, it, and there's definitely teammates from the Browns and the Giants that liked him, but at the same time, he seemed to tear apart um, the Browns and the Giants in some shape or form. I don't want a guy whose dad is literally over here on YouTube <laughs> posting some NFL game, class, game, game pass screen recordings of Baker Mayfield missing him open. You know, that that's not carrying the G there. <laughs> that so, is not. E- even if it's just his dad, I, you know, we'll stay away from that. The Rams can have them. They can go all in. And what was really interesting to me, obviously, you mentioned all the, the people having their source. Jordan Schultz. Uh, good God, we should have seen this episode of the Jordan Schultz experience. Uh, but Jordan Schultz also said that OBJ didn't think the Packers were all in enough on him, which doesn't make sense now what we know now. Because yeah, literally just because the Rams didn't offer the vet minimum because they could somehow afford to, but the Packers could not. Could not. Excuse me. Uh, <laughs> that pepper makes you do some wild things. But oh yeah. Um. But, but yeah, and then people were like, "Oh, again, the the classic <clears throat> take: Packers just don't want to win." And really, I don't really care if OBJ doesn't think the Packers are all in. And more importantly, I don't think I don't really care what Jordan Schultz says. Odell Beckham Jr. thinks. All right. If yeah. Odell thinks that because he had a 30-minute conversation with Brian Goodkins or had a 10-minute conversation with Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams, then let him think that, all right? And, I, you know, the Packers are all in to a, an extent in a way that most people don't understand, and it's hard to explain the idea of they're trying to keep the exact same team around that didn't get it down last year. But, you know, that's okay. OBJ can think what he wants. People can think that the Packers don't want to win even though they're probably going to be 13 and four or something greater than that this year. Once again, in the row. Oh, um, but that's whatever Odell Beckham now with LA Rams. He'll be at Lambeau field in two weeks for what should be a great match between the Packers and the Rams. 
one thing I want to want to add before we move on because I want to move on, but just something I've been thinking about is this offseason. Packer fans are saying, oh, my God, this wide receiver depth is amazing. We have such a amazing wide yeah. receiver core. And once a diva of a receiver comes on to the free agency market, we're saying, oh, my God, we need him. Oh, my yep. God, everybody else is yep. trash. Oh, my God, Randall Cobb. Oh, my God, MVS. Like, just crazy how things change very fast in Packer world. Yeah, and I completely get like obviously he he's a good talent yes and yes they they can be like you can be saying this is a good wide receiver core but obj is a good player but more people i saw were taking the route that you were saying of uh, our wide receiver core sucks anyways so we really need him now like no they just yeah. haven't all three of them all three of the starters haven't been really healthy at all at the same time so that's that's gonna be um that's always gonna be an irritating thing. Yes. Until they draft a first round wide receiver and the next five every year for the next five years, people aren't going to really shut up about that. So that's whatever. Yep. Now let's try to move on here because I put out a video earlier today that I recorded last night and it was literally it, I think the original cut of it before I edited it down was 30 minutes. Because I talked a lot about special teams, uh, so you know it was on. Oh, um, I and I was talking about how the Packers improved uh, from the 2020 season because the Packers 2020 team was possibly the best since 2010, 2014. Um, definitely one of the best of that Aaron Rodgers has ever played with. They couldn't get it done, and you you want improvement when the only two losses are Corey Lindsley and really maybe Christian Kirksey as the only two starters. He lost. Jamal Williams. Uh, how could I the goat. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so at the only lose three starters, my, my dearest apologies. Yes. And, so you're expecting them to retain everybody and you hope to see some improvement. You you don't want, I mean, if they are, you obviously you'd rather have them play at a consistent level, the same level as last year than downgrade, but you'd hope to see some improvement and through nine games. I think it's still hard to say really if this, if this roster can play a better than 2020, because we haven't seen this roster to its full potential. And I don't think we really are until maybe sometime in the playoffs. Because I see a lot of people getting hopeful that, oh, once look, this defense is playing really good right now, but wait till Zedarius and Jair get back. I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. I don't think we're going to see this Packers defense to its full potential in some time. And we might never because of what? might happen this offseason unfortunately so uh, people might need to accept this defensive group at least for what it is i think Jair alexander might make a return soon uh however i mean matt lafleur the way he phrased it he seemed like zedarius might be returning uh kind of what was the op optimistic um situation 
when we first heard that he'd be out for a while, extended length of time after some back surgery. Looks like Zadarius might be back in a few weeks before the regular season ends. And then Jair, though, might be longer than initially thought because um, they're still going to try to avoid shoulder injury or shoulder surgery, but it's keeping them out for some time. And it's not going to be any time, at least before the bye week in week 13, I'd say, before Jair returns. Hopefully, uh, if both of them are back after the bye week, that would be absolutely incredible. It doesn't seem like that's uh, in the books as of right now, but we'll, we'll see what changes. Um, kind of get sparse uh, updates from Matt Fleur every now and again, and then uh, we'll have to see. Hopefully, Jair and Sedarius make a return at some point. But that's the injuries. Uh, the defense has obviously strongly improved from 2020. Even that uh, kind of final run the team was on, the defense was on from like week 11 to week 17. That defense played some really good football, especially in the running game. Um, and then even they've improved from that with new defense coordinator Joe Barry now. So the defense has improved. And then the offense, though, They've also been facing a ton of injuries, and I think every single week or two, it's kind of been missing another guy, missing another two. Okay, this is finally chance. Aaron Rodgers gets COVID. Okay, it's Jordan Love now. Josh Myers is out. David Bakhtiari is finally returning, but is he actually going to play this week against Seattle? So, still, once again, we don't know what this offense is fully capable of, but Big B... What do you think, as of now, comparing the 2020 Packers to the 2021 Packers? What I think, um, <clears throat> well, the defense is way better than yeah. it was at this. Way better. How much? How much? I'd say this. Way <sighs> better this year than it was last year at this point in the season. That's sure. what I was trying to say. Um, and I feel like it's better than it was even when they were fantastic last year in that final stretch. So I think that's if they if we had this defense last year, I think we would have won the NFC championship game and yeah. won the Super Bowl potentially because Chiefs did nothing in that Super Bowl, which is very yeah. frustrating. What are you gonna say? See your mind spinning. Yeah. I yeah. didn't you know, because – I never thought of it really that way. It's kind of a weird thing to say, but I've thought of, you know, how good this team would be, how good a team would be if it had the 21, 2021 Packers defense paired with the 2020 Packers offense. Like, I mean, they, they would have walloped through the yeah. Buccaneers at Lambeau Field. And they like how close that team was winning that game um, with the defense being virtually in, invisible that first half so a lot better football out of some guys that were on the team last year dean lowry dean lowry baby kiki kevin king even uh and Shannon sullivan did i say dean lowry dean lowry dean lowry, dean lowry. Uh, let's go and then also some new additions you have devondre campbell playing like one of the best inside linebackers in the league. Rasul Douglas coming in here as a injury uh, supplement, and he's also playing incredible football for what he is. So this defense, I hope they can continue it 
and then the offense has to I, I think they really haven't gotten into quite a groove yet just because things have been so in flux you know um I, I love this comment from Matt Mamba. This is fantastic. Give me the 2021 defense, 2020 offense, and 2019 ability to stay healthy. Please. That is like the perfect trifecta Yes, of the teams Matt LaFleur has put out there. The 2019 team had little to no injuries at all. And if they were, they were like so minuscule. Um, and like... Even last year, the Packers had no problems with COVID at all. And now we're in a stretch. Like, Jordan Love had COVID and Jay Sternberger at, like, early training camp. And then they had the little situation before the 49ers game with Jamal and Aaron Jones. But other than that, they completely escaped COVID. And mm-hmm. now this year, Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adam, Kurt Binkert, um, you know, three – important guys really important to the Packers success Kurt and Kurt most important obviously so yeah that 2019 team just escaped injuries all the time so and the 2021 team certainly has not anyways that's enough dreaming of what could be hopefully these next few weeks uh a Packers can they're playing some kind of tough defenses here the Seattle Seahawks their defense kind of sucks um, then Minnesota next week, who's also defense isn't kind of the stout force that most people are used to it being that it's usually is. Uh, and then the LA Rams going against Aaron Donald. So we'll have to see interesting tests for the Packers these next few weeks. So hopefully get their offense in a groove, get out at the right time. It doesn't matter how you're playing in September, October, November, as much as it does in January and, uh, December. Okay, now let's get to some Seattle Seahawks previewing. Aaron Rodgers, he's coming back. We found out early that this morning that he is activated from the COVID-19 list, or at least he's clear to. Hopefully the Packers don't forget to activate him to the roster. Oh, boy. But uh, if they do, if they do remember, he will be playing tomorrow against Seattle, whose team pretty much sucks. Yeah. I don't want to get too crazy, but, man, just look at um, Jake Morley on Twitter. Look at the tweets he put out yesterday. He had a bunch of stats that, in short, said the the Seahawks suck compared to the Packers at pretty much every single position besides maybe long snapper. Their long snapper might be better. We'll give them that. But uh, Russell Wilson is just coming back from an injury. Granted, Aaron Rodgers is also coming back from an injury. He was asymptomatic, but at the same time, he hasn't practiced, worked out for 10 days. Uh, He's trying to bring it back up, as he said on Pat McAfee's show. But, uh, you know, COVID can possibly, you know, just kind of uh, take down his stamina. Uh, I don't know exactly how it affected his body or whatever, but uh, he's pretty much asymptomatic for the last week. So hopefully... He sees no physical problems uh, tomorrow against Seattle. Yeah, so those- hopefully his um, personal doctor Joe Rogan uh, gave him that good medicine and stuff. <laughs> yeah, hopefully he's fully recovered now. Yep. Uh, so Aaron, two quarterbacks coming back from injuries. Uh, Chris Carson for the Seahawks, who I think is pretty underrated, uh, great receiver out of the backfield. 
will be out. Seahawks will miss out tomorrow, uh, yesterday. Yep. And uh, so that's obviously big. And then the Packers, Eric Stokes. Uh, is it Stokes that's doubtful? Or is it Bakhtiari that's doubtful? Bakhtiari is doubtful. Okay. And Stokes is questionable. Okay. I think. Yeah, yeah. I think you're right. So <clears throat> Eric Stokes had a, a knee injury that he faced during warm ups last week. So he was out all of that game. Uh, and then Bakhtiari, I w- I'd be pretty surprised if he goes out there even this week. But then, hopefully, I just I want to see David Bakhtiari on that field again, please. I thought we were so close ever since he was um, back at practice. But, um, you know, we'll, we'll have to see. Hopefully, it would be great if he's good to go against Seattle, but they might try to be a little cautious with him. One more week. One, One more week, week maybe. Uh, nah, mom, but to be fair, I also haven't worked out in the last 10 days. I went on a walk yesterday, if that counts. Okay. All right. All right. So, yeah, I, I'm getting those games. But <laughs> Matt, mom, and I, we obviously aren't playing an NFL game tomorrow. But, you know, we Aaron Rodgers on, on the same level as us on our, our workout schedules these past week. Uh, so, yes, yeah, th- those are kind of the injuries going on. The Seahawks, 3-5, and five, like I mentioned, they've really struggled uh, to get much going. And their offense is just a shadow, or their defense is a shadow of what it used to be. DK Metcalf is going to be a really good receiver. I unfortunately had to bench him last, or had to bench him tomorrow for fantasy. That is mm-hmm. against my rules. That is against my morals to start a player in fantasy who is playing against the Packers. Um, but... Last week, uh, or the week before the bye, they're coming off a bye as well, so that's also a big thing. They beat the Jaguars 31-7. to uh, They lost to the Saints 13-10. to uh, Lost to the Steelers 23-20. to Lost to the Rams 26-17. So that's the stretch that Russell Wilson is out for. But when Russell was in, they beat the 49ers 28-21. Lost to the Vikings 30-17. to And... Uh, Lost to the Titans, thirty-three to thirty. So even when Wilson was in, they haven't had much luck. It really seems just looking at kind of these scores as a a light overview with their defense just cannot stop much. Um, Big B, who are you thinking? Who's the key player? This doesn't even have to be specific to what the Seahawks can or cannot do, but who is a uh, key player for you tomorrow? Key player. Um, <clears throat> you know what? I'm going to go with everybody's favorite, Kevin freaking King. All right. He played fantastic the last two games, um, really, really stepping it up when we need him the most. No shoulder tackles at all, which is a plus <laughs> for me always because I'm about to shoulder tackle my TV if I see that one more time from him. But, yeah, Kevin King is just playing some good football recently. Yeah, and that's going to be especially important. Uh, We need a good performance from uh, the corners tomorrow because of Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. It's been a while since the Packers have kind of had to deal with two pretty good wide receivers um, down Jair Alexander this past week uh, against the Chiefs. They had Tyree Kill and nobody else for the Chiefs. And Patrick Mahomes just isn't playing too well this year <laughs> as well. So Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, 
Kevin Keane, Rasul Douglas, Eric Stokes, if he's good to go, going to have to lock those two receivers down. For me, I think I'm going to go with uh, somebody among the offensive line, and I'm going to I'm gonna say Royce Newman. Dude has played some either really good football for a fourth rounder or some really bad football. And he really struggled, especially last week against the Chiefs with their constant pressures, constant blitzes they were sending. Um, hey, okay, he, he he didn't do terrible. He got his ass whooped. That's a better okay. better saying. He got his ass whooped. So is, is that worse than playing terrible, though? Yes. Okay, that's what I thought. Um, so, okay. Okay, I just got a text that I that got my mind, got the gears turning. I'm, I'm thinking about a whole different world, <laughs> oh, um, but but uh, uh, Royce Newman, Royce Newman. Okay, um, Royce Newman. So he played bad <laughs> um, against the Chiefs. Got absolutely manhandled by Chris Jones, yes. Frank Clark. Everybody among the Chiefs front seven. And this is a great week for him to step it up. I probably should know this, but I don't know if um, Carlos Dunlap that the Seahawks traded for last year, if he was just like a little eight-game rental or if his contract was for multiple years. Um, But I got the Seahawks roster pulled up here for a reason. So let's see. There we go. Um Carlos Sunlap still on the Seahawks roster, it appears. So uh, he played some really good football last year when, after the Seahawks trade for him. A really good um, trade, trade deadline acquisition. So Royce Newman, um, he's got to step it up. Good week for him because outside of Dunlap, there's really not too much going on for the Seahawks. Let me pull up our friend uh, Jake Morley's tweets here because he had something about the total pressures that Seattle has had, and they're not that good because Rashawn Gary on the season has more total pressures than Seattle's whole group. Just uh, an incredible stat. Yeah, I did see that yesterday. That's funny. Yeah. So Clark Clark and Dean Lowry combined also have more total pressures than Seattle's entire group. So here we go. Here we go. So the top, the total pressures for Sean Gary has 42. The second closest on the Seahawks roster is Carlos Dunlap with 20. Then at third off also for Seattle is Rasheen Green with 17. Preston Smith and Jonathan Garvin. Jonathan Garvin has more pressures and then all but two Seattle Seahawks defensive lineman, Jonathan Garvin. I can't believe that Jonathan Garvin has 14 pressures. That's also kind of amazing. That is. But the offensive line, after facing some pretty tough defensive lines, facing uh, a really aggressive blitzing team last week against the Chiefs, good week for them to step it up, especially Royce Newman to recover from a really bad performance. And uh, I, I think it also be a good one for him. He's got a kind of – He's got some things to prove as to why he shouldn't be taken out uh, when David Bakhtiari returns. And they can move Elton Jenkins, John Runyon, Lucas Patrick. They can move those guys around once David Bakhtiari returns. So, Royce Newman, I'm counting on you, number 70. <laughs> Big dirt. Um, also, uh, one last thing I want to talk about, the injury report. 
uh, and also kind of reviewing of last week's game. Kenny Clark went out on the second half, and that was a stellar performance from the Chiefs last uh, or the Packers defense last week. We didn't get a chance to talk about it, but Kenny Clark went out. You know who played really good football on that defensive line? TJ Slayton. TJ Slayton, the second coming of the Grave Digger. Maybe I shouldn't make that clear um, declaration yet, but number 93, man. Absolute monster. He played really good. He made some flashy mm-hmm. plays as well, which is kind of rare for defensive linemen. But I I kind of expected him to play more of a role at this point in the season. But hopefully after some really good play uh, in the second half of last week, um, he's uh, he gets some more opportunities. Also saw Jack Heflin in there. And uh, we'll see. Slayton will all obviously be active, but we'll see if maybe the Packers want to be more limited with Kenny Clark. He was limited some days at practice, but he's good to go tomorrow against Seattle. So uh, we'll have to see how that defensive line kind of who's in, who's out for them. So it don't matter because we still got D Lowry, baby. D Lowry, yes, sir. There could be all paper plates at defensive end, defensive tackle, yes. outside linebacker, and Dean Lowry would still just be such a problem for opposing yeah. offensive lines. Dean, the machine is just just that incredible. Yeah. Future Hall of Famer. <laughs> He's on pace at this point, man. Yes. Uh, so I think after with that, I think um that's all we got for you today. Uh we we really um don't know much about Seattle cuz they suck. <laughs> Their games haven't been exciting. Yeah. Packers should win this game by 30, 40, mm-hmm. 50 points, man. Every time I say that, though, I get flashbacks to Saints week. And yeah. the, the the Saints game, I don't need to say much about it, but Saints game oh, week boy. one kind of changed my whole mindset and how I go about uh, game previews because the Packers should have whooped them. On paper, we thought, okay, they don't have Drew Brees anymore. They're losing yeah. some players. They should, you know, Mike Michael Thomas is out. Packers should be doing absolutely incredible. But, you know, it should be an easy win for the Packers, and obviously it wasn't. So, and I've, I've kind of tried to be less cocky ever since. But I blame it on Jacksonville and that stupid turf. Yes. I don't know if their turf is bad, but it's their turf, if it's good or not. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. But I'm telling you, man, on paper, once again, the Packers should absolutely <clears throat> dominate in this game. There's no reason they shouldn't. There's no reason they shouldn't be able to hand it off to Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, just run through them, Aaron Rodgers returning. So I'm pretty excited for tomorrow. Big B, let's hear your score prediction. Ooh, I haven't even thought of this yet. Oh, my. Um, <laughs> Let's go. Let's go 31, 30 burger, 31 okay. to 17. Okay. I'm definitely I, feeling in that range. That's kind of like how a majority of the Packers games have gone so far with the scores. Like yes. literally, if you look ever since like week three, I think it is, the Packers have either scored 24 or 27 points. It's really yeah. funny. Somewhere in that range. And, la- and, and last year, we we scored 
like in the 30s. I think like almost all every game last year. I know. So I'm just waiting for it to come back. I'm just waiting. That streak was incredible. They were on uh, the <laughs> first few weeks of the season, like until the Buccaneers game in week five hit them like a train before their bye week. Like yeah. they were putting up 40 points every week. I, I really wish we got a 50 burger, but we didn't, but that's okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm think I'm agreeing with you. I think the Packers will run away with this after the third or fourth quarter, and uh, they'll uh, be able to put thirty on the Seahawks. I'll say thirty-five to twenty. All right, that's all we got for you today. Hopefully, you enjoyed our Seattle Seahawks preview. Um, we'll be back here tomorrow with some sort of content, either more preview content, review content. We'll be back here, so make sure you subscribe to the Underage Packers YouTube channel. Uh, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and uh, we'll see you later. Uh, if unless Big B has any final thoughts or any final Go Pack goes, Go Pack Go. There you have it, folks. We'll talk to you later. Let's get this win against Seattle and move on to eight and two. Continue our dominance of the in.